sacred means a priest with the collar and the hat and all that. So sacred means some old jewel that's been watched over for 700 years and it used to be part. Sacred just means something that's holy, that's set aside for an exact purpose. So consecration means the action or making of something or declaring something sacred. Consecration also means to ordain someone to a sacred office. What? Let me repeat that because that's all of us. Consecration also means to ordain someone to a sacred office. I think the most sacred thing on this planet has the spirit of God in it. Do you guys ever see Raiders of the Lost Ark? Anybody see that? When that thing came out, that was a killer movie. The effects in that were like, what? And I was an atheist when I first saw it. And then guess what? A couple years ago, I watched it again. Come on, non-believers are showing us a picture of someone that treats the ark of God with the presence of God with neglect. And the presence of God comes out and kills them all. <laughs> Man, we have the presence of God. What Holly was trying to portray all that stuff, the Holy Spirit lives in us. We are the ark of the covenant. Tell me that wouldn't blow somebody's mind. I'm walking around the Ark of the Covenant with the presence of God in me. I think that makes me sacred. I think whatever I do makes that thing a sacred thing then because I have the presence of God. Not because the earth suit, not because Mike. Mike's kind of common. But the Holy Spirit in me, this redeemed new creation, whew, the image bearer, man, oh man, oh man. Jesus was declaring himself set apart as God's son to God's will. God had brought manna from heaven. And the devil, the, here's the, the devil's so sneaky. He always tries things and it's like, you think it's this attack, but he's actually attacking on another level. And he's also attacking you from behind while you think it's just this attack. So he asked Jesus, well, if, you know, if you're really the son of God, he must have been listening at the baptism, huh? When the voice said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased, he must have been listening. So then he comes and tries to sow doubt. And he said, well, if you're really the son of God, why don't you uh, go ahead and turn these stones into bread? Because the son of God could do that, right? He could make food like in the Old Testament, God made manna from heaven. Except for it's nothing like that. It's, it's really not. Because this is what scientists do now today. They take some stuff and they clone it and go, see, we're a creator. Or they take some other stuff, they make a duplicate or make this stuff and this stuff, they mix it all together, they make something new. But every single time they got to start with stuff. And when they say they're creators, they're actually imitators or polluters. Only God is the creator. God can take absolutely nothing, make something. When he made manna from heaven, he took absolutely nothing and fed them for 40 years, millions of people for 40 years, something out of nothing. The devil comes, why don't you take something and turn to something else? So I'm gonna tur twist and pervert and doubt and all this stuff all in one lump. Jesus said, uh, no, don't tempt me, basically. Was Jesus saying, when Jesus said, don't tempt God, was he telling the devil, don't tempt the Father, or don't tempt me? Because Jesus is God. Just, just a curious thing so then he goes on to the number two temptations first one is cha changing stones to bread second one trying to get God to jump he, he and he's telling Jesus you you ought to jump off of here but really he was trying to get dad to jump he was trying to get the heavenly father to jump let's look at this just a little bit closer so he, Satan comes to him 
He's saying, you know what? If, if you're really the son of God, you can just jump off of this thing and the angels will catch you. And he starts quoting scripture to him. <sighs> Do you know that when the father of lies tries to speak truth, he can't help himself, he still lies? <laughs> When the devil tries to speak the truth and tries to tell scripture, he'll either add something to it or leave a big old chunk out of it. Yeah. Look at this, Psalm 91, this is what the devil's actually quoting. He says, uh, for he shall give his angels charge over you. He left the second half of that verse out. That's Psalm 91, verse 11, to keep you in all your ways. He just said, for he shall give his angels charge over you and then named a couple of other things. The rest of the story is the angels are in our lives. We all have guardian angels, absolutely. But they're to keep us in our paths. They're to keep us in the purposes of God. Angels don't save us. The devil's trying to pervert this, pervert this at one level saying, well, if you just go ahead and jump off this, the angels will save you. It's like, no, the angels never save anybody. The angels guide you and protect you, but Jesus alone saves. Man. So look at it this way. If Jesus did jump on the devil's say-so, and since the devil's misquoting scriptures, so the scripture wouldn't be fulfilled when it's misquoted, right? I don't care how many times you quote it and how loud you quote it. If you're misquoting scripture, it will not be fulfilled. So the devil gets him to jump by misquoting scripture. Jesus jumps off the pinnacle of the temple, hits and dies. He really died on the cross, right? Jesus wasn't Superman. He really could bleed. He really could die. What if the devil would have conned him in that with a broken scripture, he jumps off and he would have died. He would have died never going to the cross. Win-win for the devil. What if he jumps off, comes down three inches before he hits, God the Father jumps in, saves him. Well, that's still win-win for the devil. He conned the son into listening to broken scripture, who Jesus is the word, he would never listen to broken scripture. Just gotta add that. Uh, but if he could manipulate the son to live a lie, he could manipulate the father, come off the throne to do stuff that he made the mess of. Wow. Is this just about misquoting scripture? Yeah, a little bit, but it's way bigger than that. The devil is always about trying to knock God off the throne and take his place. You don't believe me? Let's look at the third temptation. Man. Verse 9, he says, let me back up and read verse 9. And he said to him, all these things, let's go back to 8. Again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I'll give you if you fall down and worship me. Oh, my goodness gracious. He never changes. He's a broken record. Why did this dude get kicked out of heaven? He wanted people to worship him. I don't know how many millennia later this is, but his tune has not changed. It's still all about people worshiping him and not God. He takes him up an exceedingly high mountain, which mountaintop experience, ooh, that would have been feeling good. Your senses are like, wow, this is amazing. Wow, look at the beauty. Somehow he's seeing even the glory in these things. I don't know if the devil's manipulating different things or not, but he shows them all the kingdoms and their glory. Do you know what kingdoms need? A king. So you're looking out at all the kingdoms of the world, and in this scenario that the devil's manufacturing, oh, they all need a king. 
where are we going to find a king, Jesus? Oh, well, you're destined to be a king. Here's, the, here's all the kingdoms that you're supposed to die for. I can give them for you. You don't even have to die. That's the lie that he's coming at Jesus with. Wow. It, it, <laughs> the more you dig at this, the more you think about it, the more it's just so amazing. Because oftentimes, like when I'm just reading my Bible program or I'm reading my daily devotionals, I can read like the whole chapter and, and just go ankle deep on this story, on this passage. But when you just stop for a while and you go neck deep and you look at what is going on and the depth and what Jesus is trying to do and what the devil's trying to do, it's like, here's Jesus, intentionally came out here. He's got zero resources, living totally by faith. He's not even eating or drinking, consecrating himself for the total purposes of God. And the devil literally comes and tempts him with everything, with everything. First, you can have some food. Second off, you can have kingdoms. Now the last one is, guess what? If, if you want all these kingdoms, well, all you gotta do is worship me. Do you know all the way back to when the law first came, Moses and the Levit, Levi, bleh, easy for you to say. <laughs> the Levitical priesthood was first uh, put in place. The number one commandment, number one rule, first thing you'd be taught every single day, you have no other God before me. You do not worship anyone but the one true God. That's what every Jewish boy or girl would have known, probably by the time they were three or four. For a man of Jesus' age, that would have been his pure fiber, and that's what the devil comes. He says, why don't you worship me, and I'll give you all this. Wow. So... His last best shot is to get Jesus to take his eyes off the Father and make a deal with the devil. He wants to get him to do one last thing to try to break up the Trinity, which uh, I, I already showed in the third chapter of Matthew where you have Father, Son, and Holy Spirit all together working this plan. I think out in the wilderness, you got Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I think through prayer and presence, I think all three of them are getting ready to do this amazing thing. And so when the devil comes up and says, why don't you just worship me and I'll give you all of this. I can make you a king without a cross. Whew. He was trying to do more than just sidetrack Jesus. If the devil would have been able to con Jesus out of any of these things, where would we be right now? It's not like he had another brother, right? There was only one Jesus ever. This was the battle throughout ages. When, when we call, well, he was tempted three times, it's like, no, there was, there was a supernatural battle for eternity given on that day or those 40 days in the wilderness in which Jesus, he whooped him. That's all I can say. He pounded him. <laughs> Jesus was never just enduring and waiting for this test to get over. He was, in fact, using this time to show believers throughout eternity how to press into God and how to defeat the devil. This is way more than a temptation to Jesus. This is about warfare. For all of us, every day, every year of our lives as Christians, what, what the devil did to Jesus is what he does to us all right now. He comes to us in our weaknesses, in our desires, the things we're hoping for, the things we're planning on, the things we're praying through, and he attacks those with a counterfeit. Just what he still does to this day. 
Jesus allowed the tempter to stay around for 40 days and allowed the questions. Once our Lord and Savior had fulfilled his purposes, he ended it. He told the devil, go away, we're done. And, and the devil had, he ran away. It wasn't like Jesus was up here getting punched by the devil until finally the devil's like, you know what? My arms are tired, I guess I'll just leave. And then, devil, and then Jesus is like, oh man, I'm all beat up, but he's gone, okay. I guess I can get to work now. It's the exact opposite. I, I'm trying to belittle, the, not belittle, I'm trying to uh, underline, underscore the fact of how in charge Jesus was in every aspect of this. And when the devil came and tried to mess with him and tempt him, it wasn't any temptation to Jesus. It wasn't anything bad to Jesus. It was a learning opportunity for us. Classrooms open is how Jesus looked at this whole thing so that we can kick the devil out of our lives. This is how the message says, Matthew chapter 4, verse 10 and 11. This is how they say it. Jesus' refusal was curt. Beat it, Satan. <laughs> he backed his rebuke with a third quotation from Deuteronomy. Worship the Lord your God and only him. Serve him with absolute single-heartedness. The test was over. The devil left and in his place, angels. Angels came and took care of Jesus' needs. Kind of took us back to the starting point of the conversation that, uh, at least the recorded conversation between the devil and Jesus, because the devil shows up and says, hey, you can turn these rocks into bread if you're really a son of God. He says, nope, not going to do this. This whole thing plays out. At the end, not only does he get bread from heaven, but he gets servants with it to give him the bread from heaven. Angels showed up, ministered to him. What do you think they were ministering? I think it was a buffet. Having known Uber, I guess, maybe. So how do we apply this to our lives? What can we learn from this? I said that this is a teaching moment for all of us. What do we take away from this? So today we saw how Jesus sanctified himself by going with the Holy Spirit to a place he could be alone with God. Jesus agreed with the Father to set aside himself for 40 days to consecrate himself to God's purposes. Jesus is our example in all things and shows us dedication and consecration. So I think the first thing that we have to do is decide how deep do we want to go. All of us make this decision every day of our lives, actually. We make this decision everywhere we go. Um, back when I was in Tulane Dive, there were some guys there that were absolutely there for the minimum amount to do the least possible to not get fired. And so they... They built horrible dyes that usually need a lot of work later on in the future. Uh, their work areas looked like a pigsty. They were often late. They would leave early. I mean, just, it's a whole package there. They were only, I mean, if it's a lake, they were puddle deep. Then there's other people that, you know, work a little bit harder. Then there's some people who come in, it's like, no, I don't care who's watching. I don't care what, any credit I get. I'm here working on to the Lord. So I'm going to do the best I possibly can in everything I do so that I only reflect good towards Jesus because everybody knows I'm a Christian. But you have to decide how deep do you want to go. There's people at church. There's some people who go to church twice a year. And sometimes I run into people. I haven't seen them in months. Sometimes I haven't seen people over a year. And they'll say, oh, hey, pastor, how's it going? I'll say, oh, good, I missed you. Oh, I know, I miss you. That's, that's my church too. I still miss it. I think, how's this still your home church? You, you come around once a year? <laughs> um, I go home a lot more than once a year. I, I go home, oh, every day. <laughs> so how deep are you at church? 
Do you, you know, some people come to church and there, there's absolutely, do you hear me? Please hear me. Hear my heart in this. There's nothing wrong if you only want to come to church once a month. You want to be encouraged. You want to feel like you're part of a community, faith-based community. That's fine. Jesus wanted to go really deep. Jesus calls us to go committedly deep, to be sacred, to consecrate ourselves under the purposes of God. Do you want to go that deep here? Because that takes dedication. Man, that takes dying to self. That takes putting others in front of you, just like Jesus did, just like Jesus does. Jesus said, I come to serve, not to be served. Uh, are you part of this church because you serve here? Because you invest your life here. Is that why this is your home church? Or is it your home church because this is the only church you go to, even if it's only a couple times a year? And I, I hate to talk like so honestly like this because I'm afraid to hurt some people's feelings. I don't want to hurt anybody today. I really don't. I'm trying to say this in a way so that you can just go, okay, where am I at in this? Do, am I living the way I want to live? Five years from now, is this where I want to be? Doing what I'm doing, living how I'm living. Is this, is this how I want to be? Or maybe five years from now, I want something a little different. Because if you want different, you're going to have to change some things. And Jesus shows us scripturally how to get more from God. is to live more for God, to be consecrated, to be holy, to be sacred unto him. In James 4, 7, this is what James says. For spiritual warfare or fighting the devil, I think this is awesome. James says, therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Oh, so I don't have to stand up and scream verses, and I don't want to have all this and do all that and get loud and screaming and carrying. No. Submit to God. What's God want you to do in your life? How does God want you to treat your spouse? How does God want you to serve at church? How does God want you to serve at work? Submit to God. The stuff you know he told you to do, just do it. Live the way you know God wants you to live. That, that seems pretty simple. Oh, and the devil's going to come and mess with you. Just resist him. La, 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 la. Not listen to those temptations. Because the word says, and that's what Jesus saw. When Jesus resisted the devil, he just said, uh, whatever, I'm not listening because the Bible says this. And he spoke truth into it. Peter tells us to this way. 1 Peter 5, 9. Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Because the devil will come and mess with you when something bad happens in your life. And he will try to get a pity party going. You know what a pity party is, right? We all have had them. Man, I can throw a pity party. The only people invited to my pity parties are me, myself, and I. And we all get together and we start just telling, just singing the woes. Do you guys, I bet there's some fans of Hee Haw here. All you young people have no idea what I'm talking about. But there was a guy in Hee Haw that would say, oh, poor, pitiful me. <laughs> right? I, I'm not going to sing the song. He'd finish it by saying, if it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. Oh, poor, pitiful me. That, my little pity party, that's what it is. Man, another bad thing happened to me. Nobody likes me. How come people don't include me? I did all this work. I didn't get any credit for it. Eh. Right? Your words might be a little different. But somehow we're not appreciated to the point where we thought we should be appreciated. Or we invest in all this stuff and then it just blows up and you think, well, what? Why did I do all that hard work? It didn't even pan out. Oh, that's right, because I was serving God. Because God told me to do that, to serve that way, and I did. So God, I bless you and I know you're blessed by it. I'm not going to worry about the rest of the fruit. 
1 Peter 5, 9, resist them steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. The devil wants to make you think that you're special in how bad things happen to you. You're special in how all these trials fall on you. You're special and picked on poor, poor little you because nothing like this happens to other people. I can guarantee you everybody goes through stuff. Everybody here is going through stuff right now. I know that's not a super heavy theological term, but it's so right. All of us have been through stuff and all of us are going through stuff. I, I choose to not tell you guys about most of my problems. You'll never know about stuff until after God brings a victory or years later. And there's a lot of people here that are going through stuff right now, like a fly bugging them, and they won't tell you about it. There's other people, oh my goodness, if they stub their toe, everybody that day is going to hear about the stub toe. If you're anywhere near them, you'll hear them work a room and tell the stub toe story here and here and here and here. And then when you talk to them on Wednesday, they're still telling about the stub toe. It's like, I don't have to talk about my problems. I'm going to talk to them about God and maybe one or two close friends are going to pray for me and I'm just going to keep on keeping on. Ephesians 6, 17, this is what Paul said about warfare. He says, the, Ephesians 6, the whole chapter is awesome. Please take time to read it. This is verse 17. He says, and take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Man, Jesus used the sword. Every single time he used the sword on that devil. The devil say one thing and you say, yeah, but it's written. He say another thing, yeah, but it's written. Say another thing, yeah, but it's written. Every single time. And so there's situations in my life and in your life that the devil's attacked us in. Some people don't believe in spiritual warfare. It's rampant through the whole Bible. Today we read maybe the ultimate spiritual warfare battle between Jesus and the devil. It wasn't much of a battle. Jesus pounded him and he left. But all of us are getting attacked. And not because we're so special. The reason the devil attacks us so hard, so consistently, is because if he can get us to reject our faith in the Father, it's going to break the Father's heart. The devil hates his guts more than he hates us. Everything he's doing to us is try to get even with the Father. And so if we can remember that, it's not our fight, it's those guys' fight. Oh, and by the way, Jesus already won the victory on the cross. We're just enforcing it. Man. So, Maybe there's situations in your life that you think the devil's attacking. Let me just ask a few questions, see if any of this resonates with you. Um, maybe in relationships, in your family or here at church, are you offended with anyone? Are you um, a little bit distanced from someone? Maybe you're estranged from someone. Chances are the devil got involved in something and, and magnified misunderstandings and miscommunications. Maybe there's some real things that need to get worked out, but a lot of times, if we can just get back to that person and just say, hey, you know what? I love you too much. Let this stink be between us. Let's, let's solve this. Let's clean this thing up. Where, where did I hurt you? Simple as that. How about another thing that the devil will try to always sidetrack is, is what about in your dreams? What you hoped would happen at home or at work or, or even at church. I think church is a big one because you come to church, and like I was saying earlier, you, you, you consecrate yourself to the Lord so you can just live wholeheartedly for God because you've got this vision, you've got this hope that something amazing is going to happen and it's going to be this. And so you start serving like crazy and giving like crazy and it starts growing a little bit and then it blows up. You know, Denise 
was talking about the youth group earlier. Um, I was down there helping them for some of that stuff. That group, I think at one point, it was maybe around 17 or 18 kids. Most of them, again, like from the area around here, at, at the end it just it fizzled out like what she said. If we're not careful, especially us three or this church or anybody else who's involved, if we're not careful, we'll just go, well, I'm not trying that again. That never worked. It, if I thought like that, I wouldn't be down in the youth right now. Oh, by the way, that was the second youth group I've seen that happen to. <laughs> but guess what? The great battle is for the youth. If you think there's a big fight going on and something's really hard to do and it just seems like it's just tension and hard work every time we try to do it, chances are the devil doesn't want it to succeed. It's as simple as that. Instead of going, wow, this is just too hard and this is discouraging. I don't like how people did this and how those kids, heck with them getting out. It's like, now hold on a second. We got a whole nother crop of young people here. We got some great kids in this church right now. We got other great kids in this neighborhood. They don't know nothing about all that stuff back there. Let me just go ahead and tell them about my Jesus. Let's see what Jesus and them want to get doing. So let me just ask you that. Do you have some dreams that maybe got hurt, got fizzled out, got, you, you fill in the blanks. Relationships or dreams. I want to encourage us all today. Let's submit to God. Let's resist the devil and speak out and pray the word of God. And all of this, all of this always starts with our hearts. It's not good ideas. It's not self-discipline. Everything's about our heart condition. Always is, always will be. Because if the devil can get some yuck in our heart and we let that fester in there, it will harden our heart and it'll switch us off from God. Oof. So you join me today and choose to forgive anyone who treated you wrong and hurt you. Um, I have... I kind of have a special privilege. I'm up here right now, so I just want to ask everybody here. If I've hurt you or I've done you wrong, would you please forgive me? And if you need a better uh, apology than that, please come up and tell me what I did or what I'm not doing, and I'll absolutely repent. Absolutely. Because I want to have everything clean and open to everybody in my life. I don't want any offenses. I don't want us. I don't want to leave you dragging anything around, and I don't want to drag anything around. And let me just say on behalf of everyone here, would you please do that for each other? If there's anyone here that knows somebody here has hurt you or let you down or disappointed you, please go to them and just say, hey, when you did this, this make me feel like that. That's all you got to do. That way you're not finger pointing anything, and most people can receive something when you say it that way. When you did this, it hurt me. It made me feel like that. And then let's see what God does amongst us. Because we, we want open heavens here, don't we? If we're walking around with offenses, if we're walking around with hard hearts, then the devil has a hand on us. We sing songs like the devil's got no hold in here. Well, if you're offended with someone here, he sure does have a hold in here. <laughs> Getting sidetracked. So you join me this morning and ask our Heavenly Father to heal our hearts, my heart, your heart, and to renew our hope in him. Hope in him for his love to fill us. Hope in him for his love to fill our families. Hope in him to fill this church. I'm gonna close with this and we'll have a time of prayer. Submit to God resist the devil and speak the word. That's what Jesus did in all these things. And Jesus is our example in all things. Amen.